belief is that whatever it is that we are hoping for, that our greatest desire truly is Emmanuel, God with us. We're going to hit three points. Uh, We'll think about being within, uh, without, within, and with us. Without, within, with us. So the first point, being without. Uh, I once visited um, a Greek island called Spinalonga. And this island uh, had once been a leper colony. It was deserted at the time that I visited, but it used to be a leper colony. And I remember being really haunted by the idea that, and perhaps it might be helpful to have a think through this, what would it be like to um, be diagnosed with leprosy in those days when there was no cure? To be put on a boat, to be sent out to this island away from those you know and love, knowing that you're going to have to face this horrible illness and you're going to have to do it without your loved ones. That's a real sense of withoutness. Now, I think there's a reason I was so haunted by that idea, because I think it speaks to us about our experience of being human. Remember, back in the Garden of Eden, God created Adam and Eve, and they walked with God. They enjoyed close friendship with God. And when Adam and Eve began to doubt that God was their best, they made choices that damaged that withness. They were sent out from Eden, out from that closeness. So they were now in that place of withoutness. And you know, even today, we're still trying to fix that sense of withoutness a better job, more money, greater adventures, um, the perfect family Christmas even. Emmanuel is so important because it's this sense of withoutness that needs to be addressed. So I've thought about without, let's move on to within. Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. Now that's um, very different to modern day engagements. Um, this was a legal agreement, and the only ways out of this betrothal were divorce or death. It's not a great, not a great choice. Uh, so Joseph is thinking about divorce, and then the angel tells him uh, to marry Mary. Now, marrying Mary would mean that Jesus is legally adopted as Joseph's son, so legally brought into uh, Joseph's family within his line. Now, we can only begin to imagine what's going through Joseph's mind at this point. You know, what will be the implications of marrying Mary and bringing Jesus into his family? Will there be um, criticism? Will there be a sense of shame? Is it going to damage his reputation? Is it risky? Possibly. Did you notice how the angel referred to Joseph? The angel called him Joseph, son of David. Now, that would have reminded Matthew's Jewish readers that this is the line that the Messiah would come from. So what we see is a faithful God working out his promises. We're told in this passage about the prophecy in Isaiah that a virgin will give birth to a son. He'd be called Emmanuel. So Joseph trusts that this faithful God is busy fulfilling his promises And Joseph accepts Jesus. He takes a risk and he's obedient. And that might seem quite remarkable. But do you know what I think is even more remarkable? 
that God would choose Joseph's family line to be a part of. You know the phrase, uh, you can choose your friends, but you can't choose your family. Well, with God, that quite literally isn't the case. He could have chosen any family to be a part of. This is a family he chooses. And it's a family full of shady stories. Can you imagine, um, I don't know if any of you watched the program, Who Do You Think You Are? You know, they kind of look at the history of people's families. Well, imagine if Jesus was on Who Do You Think You Are? And you can imagine one of the historians saying, I mean, this is a little bit awkward, Jesus, you know, with you being the Holy One and Saviour of the world and everything, but we found some really interesting stories. Um, Immediately before our reading, if you have a look at that passage, we're in uh, Matthew 1. There's Matthew's genealogy of Jesus. If we could have the first slide up, please. Um, So this is a weaving And each of the colours that you see there represents a different person in Jesus' genealogy. So each colour, a different person. Um, Now, if we were just to focus on the women, I know it's tricky to see, but they're the kind of stripy ones. Um, So we start off with Tamar. Uh, Now, Tamar uh, pretends to be um, in prostitution in order to trick a man to have sex with her. Then we have Rahab. Rahab was a prostituted woman. Then we have Ruth, who's a Moabite, an enemy of God's people. And then we have Bathsheba, who had conceived a child by King David when she was married to another man. We can't say that she necessarily chose that, so I'm not sort of holding her responsible for that, but that's what happened. So, and that's just the women. If we were to look at the men, we'd find all sorts of other stories that you probably wouldn't want in your family history. But of course, none of that would have come as a shock to Jesus because these are the very people that God actively chooses to be a part of his family. Jesus is woven in. So we see Jesus as that white uh, line there right at the bottom of of that slide. It's a committed joining with, regardless of those people's pasts, their own actions or the way that they've been treated by other people. I've heard it put like this. Jesus came from those he came for. Throughout generations, God has faithfully been working out his plan to bring people back within, to fix our withoutness. Unlike my weaving, God's is an intricate masterpiece, a work of art, year by year, century by century, working out his promises. And that's what we see playing out in our reading today. It matters that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us, because he is woven into the lives of flawed people, committed to them, regardless of their history or shame. He wants us to be woven into his family tree too, regardless of our history or our shame. We are not disqualified from union with God. Not because of our past or because of the way others have treated us. When Joseph marries Mary, it means that Jesus is legally adopted as Joseph's son and has all the rights that birth children would have. And when we trust Jesus, we are adopted, we are brought within God's family, woven in with us 
is God. And so here's the completed uh, weaving there. So we've got all of that genealogy that we talked about there. That white line, as I say, is Jesus. Sometimes I think it's helpful just to kind of see things in a really practical way or to do something practical, practical to get a sense of truth within us. So obviously this isn't, accu- isn't an accurate depiction because it would be a much, much bigger weaving to depict all of the billions of Christians that have come and gone before and I just didn't have time for that. Um, so, but we do have an opportunity for each of these labels um, in a, after... Um, after communion. Um, So what will happen is you'll come up to receive communion. If you'd like to then, um, there'll be stations um, at the side and you can write your name or initials, they're quite small, um, onto a sticker and place that there and just see yourself as woven in as part of this uh, family tree, as part of this weaving. Okay, so we've thought about being without, we've thought about being within. With us is the third point. In uh, verse 21, Joseph is told to call the child Jesus. The Lord saves. Jesus is called that because he will save his people from their sins. He can't do that from a distance. Earlier, I talked about Spinalonga, that um, leper colony, and that great sense of withoutness. In the 1800s, a group of priests were aware of um, the needs within a leper colony in Hawaii. And I'm sure that there would have been a great temptation for them to raise funds or to send out aid packages or to send letters of encouragement. But instead, they chose to put a rota together so that priests would go out in person and minister to the people in the colony. Father Damien volunteered to be the first priest on the rota. And when he arrived, he decided that he would stay so that none of the other priests needed to take their turn. He ministered to the lepers in very practical ways, showing love and compassion. Father Damien did not keep his distance. He did not shy away. He lived with the people experiencing leprosy. And several years into his ministry, one day he began his sermon with these words. We lepers. He had lived with them and now he was one of them. And he died within that leper colony, having served the people there for 16 years. When God saw our brokenness, when he saw that we struggled to function with him as our best, when he saw the muckiness of our motivations, our distorted desires, he didn't keep his distance. He didn't shy away. He came to be with us. And not simply God with us in some floaty, ethereal way, safe and protected. God came to be one of us. He was with us in our humanity, with us 
in our experience of being human, vulnerable to the same challenges, struggles and pain that we all experience, vulnerable even to death. It was as though he entered his mission saying, we lepers, This, for me, is the wonder of Christmas, that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us, for any of us who will turn to him and trust him. And he wasn't just with us all those years ago. Matthew's gospel is beautifully bookended with this idea of God being with us. We start off with this reading, the reminder of Emmanuel. And at the end of Matthew's Gospel, when Jesus has died and risen again, and before he's about to ascend into heaven, he makes a promise to all believers that he will be with us to the very end of the age. If we fast forward even further on, in Revelation 21, it talks about the new heaven and the new earth when Jesus returns and what that will be like. And it says, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. God longs to dwell with his people. God is with us now and we can enjoy that wonderful friendship of pleasure and delight with God, seeing God as our best. It may be as simple as turning our attention to this God with us, enjoying God with us. But we also have this wonderful hope for the future, that there will come a point when nothing will distract us or dis distort or dilute our love for him anymore, that we will behold him and be utterly satisfied, completely fulfilled in our relationship with him. We will experience the joy, the delight of pure withness. But maybe for you it doesn't feel like God is with us. Perhaps it feels like God has recruited us, sent us into the trenches, and he's way back at HQ, sending instructions and receiving our requests, not with us at all. I'm sure many of us have had those wonderful, treasured experiences of really feeling God with us. But at the times we don't feel like that, it doesn't make it any less true. We might enjoy and treasure those felt experiences of God with us. But what we lean on, what we trust in, what we place our weight upon, is God's truth set out in Scripture. So may I encourage you, if you find yourself at any point feeling as though God isn't with you, perhaps isn't interested in you, or even that he's abandoned you, return to this passage. Meditate on the person Emmanuel, God with us. 
that's true at the times you feel it and at the times you don't. The poem that we heard at the beginning, What Do You Want for Christmas? It suggests that what God really wants is you. And not once you get yourself sorted out. Remember the genealogy that we looked at, people with all sorts of messy lives. Right now, in our messy state, God's desire is to be with you. As close as our very breath. All we need to do is respond. We are not designed for withoutness. It matters that Jesus is Emmanuel because it means we are never abandoned, never left alone. And God's desire for withness meant that the precious head that Mary carefully laid down in the manger would one day wear a crown of thorns. And in a moment, we'll have the opportunity to remember afresh his great sacrifice for us as we take communion. Some of you might remember the old hymn, there is a green hill far away without or outside a city wall where the dear Lord was crucified, who died to save us all. Jesus died outside so that we could be brought within. He experienced that extreme sense of withoutness as he cried on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He endured that withoutness so that we could enjoy withness. The truth is that God is with us. He wants for us to enjoy that withness, to engage with that relationship. That's what he longs for. And whatever you might want for Christmas this year, I believe under the tinsel and trappings, that's what our hearts long for too. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you so much for your heart towards us. Your invitation for relationship with you. And Lord, for those of us who already have a relationship with you, but perhaps sometimes wander away, we want to say that we're sorry, Lord. And we want to turn towards you afresh, to enjoy that withness, to enjoy that union with you. Lord, would you draw us ever deeper, cause us to see you always as our very best. Lord, this Christmas, as some people may struggle with isolation, feeling alone, Christmas not being quite what they want it to be, would you bring a sense of comfort as Emmanuel, God with us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.